Not one guy was drafted in the NBA, and yet they beat Kentucky three times, and they made it to the Final Four that year. Team beats talent when talent isn't a team. Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord. We didn't try to train quarterbacks, you know, we tried to raise kids. The moral of the story is take your 10-year-old son to lose. An actress in charge of my money? A podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. I'm Brian Lord, and on the show today we have John Gordon, author of The Energy Bus, as he shares stories from Dabo Sweeney's impact at Clemson, how a hug led to a playoff success for the Dodgers, and the power of looking at your team from the inside out. So what I like about John Gordon, he's somebody I've worked with forever and really seen sort of develop mature. He's like the coach whisperer. He is so connected with so many different high profile coaches and leaders. And it's not just something where he's gleaning from them. He's giving back. He's really teaching them how to make an impact with their companies, with their teams. And for me, it's really just, it's just fascinating. So one of the questions I asked him was, you know, what are the best stories that you've learned from people like the you know, recent national champion, Dabo Sweeney, the Clemson Tigers? One story that I just love about Dabo Sweeney is that when he got the job as the Clemson coach, it was just an interim position. And he's meeting with the board of trustees. And they said, you know, coach, we want to be a program that's like Michigan. We want to be like Ohio State. We want to be like Georgia. We want to be like them. And Dabo kept telling himself, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. But he couldn't help himself. He said, sir, I respectfully disagree. My vision is so much bigger than that. He said, I want to create a program where they want to be like us. That's my vision. And he had this clear, bold, and compelling vision. And he was crazy enough to believe that he can make it happen. I mean, they probably thought, who is this guy saying that? I'm like, Come on, you're not even going to have the job next year. And yet here he was saying that. But then in 2010, they go six and seven. So not really living up to the vision. But the athletic director keeps him on. And now he's continuing to build his program, build his team. And then after that, they start to have some amazing success. But before I take you forward, I got to take you back for a second. He asked his athletic director when he got the job for a TV for his office to watch film. And the athletic director said, we don't have it in our budget. <laughs> oh. So he goes out to Best Buy and goes and buys his own TV from Best Buy. He wrapped his arms around it when he showed it to me. He said, if I ever leave here, I'm bringing this TV with me. It's mine. <laughs> it was a testament, right, to his vision. So he still keeps it. But that TV is now in his office, which is in a $55 million facility with about a 1,000 TVs and all the TVs that Dabo wants. They call it Dabo's World. And it's the testament to one man's belief, one man's vision, that he was bold enough to think that. And then he started to come to fruition with this big, huge facility, their third Final Four appearance. I mean, it's been incredible what he has built. I met a guy who was on the team when he took over. And they said when he walked in, he brought in two signs. One sign said believe, and the other one said I can't with the T crossed out because he knew Clemson lacked belief. So he right away was instilling belief in the program. And this player, who's now a successful real estate person, said that he just had this belief and mindset. And the minute he took over, he changed the culture immediately. I mean, it just shows you that 
a leader's job is to drive the culture and who you are and the energy you bring and the beliefs that you share and the vision that you have is so key to creating a great culture. And that's what he did. He drove the culture. And then I'm with the team when they lost a national championship a few uh, years ago. It was the first game against Alabama. And they lose the game. I'm in the locker room and Dabble walks in and he said, men, I have never been more proud of a group of guys and of you tonight. You just didn't make enough plays to beat a team as good as Alabama. You seniors, you've left a legacy that's going to live on for a long time. You underclassmen, get ready, because we're coming back. And he proceeded to talk about how they were going to come back, how they were going to win, what they were going to do in spring football, what they were going to do in training camp. It went on for about 10 minutes, and I was blown away because they just lost the national championship in front of millions of people, and here he was, talking about his vision for the future. And I realized right then and there that positive leaders, despite the circumstances, regardless of the setbacks, no matter the obstacles, are always pointing their teams forward. Yes, we were here yesterday, but here is where we're going today. Yes, we had this challenge, but here is where we're going now. And they always point their teams forward towards that North Star that rallies, unites, and aligns everyone towards that vision and then moves them forward. And then, of course, the following year, they came back and won a national championship. I was at that game as well. And it was like one of the greatest moments of my life to see how it all came together, all those moments, all those challenges, but to see his leadership, his vision, to know the humility he has, the kind of leader he is, and the impact that he made. And I think, again, whether you like Clemson or not, what a great lesson for all of us, for anybody starting a new job, a new program, a new initiative, a new business, whatever it may be, it's that leadership that will allow you to create success in the long term. Now, it's not just optimism, right? It's not just belief. We must also have the relationships and be able to connect with our team. So positive leaders unite the organization, but they also connect with the individual. And I saw that with Dave Roberts. I worked with the L.A. Dodgers the last two years. And I was in Dave's office last year, and in walks one of his players. This was before the postseason. And Dave gets up, and he gives this player a big hug, like a, a five to ten second bear hug. And they, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, it was cool. Like you would give your son, your long-lost son, that kind of hug. And they smile, they talk, and the player gets out of the bear hug, and then he leaves. And when he leaves, I said, Dave, that is so awesome. Like, tell me about that. I just love seeing that. He said, John, he comes in every day for a hug. So I give him a hug. He said, I believe in him. I've been supporting him. I've been investing in him. You know, a lot of people didn't know if he was going to make it, you know, was struggling. I said, let me just, you know, really pour into him. And sure enough, this player, a couple weeks later in the postseason, I saw do incredible things. And it was like I had the front row seat to watch what happens when a positive leader invests in someone and really believes in someone and connects with someone. It was like I was allowed to see that two weeks earlier and then to see the performance. And that's what Dave does. That's what A.J. Finch from the Astros does in terms of they connect with their players every day, every player on an ongoing basis, develop those relationships, and to truly have great success ultimately in the long term. Now, again, this is not just sports, right? I work with a ton of Fortune 500 companies and school districts, and I share these stories because you can see what happens in, in a 16-week season or in a 162-game season in baseball. You see these principles play out, but they play out just as well 
in the business world when a manager takes the time to invest with someone that they're leading to help them become a better person, a better performer, and that that person knows that that manager cares about them. Think about that. If you truly knew that someone had your best interest at heart and really cared about you, would you be more open to their feedback? Of course you would. So outside of five-minute bear hugs, uh, how, do you, uh, how do you build relationships with somebody like that? You know, we can't always hug people like that in the workplace, right? <laughs> and when I share that story, I say, now listen, I'm not saying you should hug your team or your employees. But what we do need to make time for is communication. We need to communicate. We need to connect. We need to commit. And we need to care. And that's actually what I talk about in my keynotes. Communicate, connect, commit, and care. Those C's are crucial. So what happens is that communication is key to creating connection. And then connection is what breeds and leads to commitment. Everybody wants a committed team, but you will never have commitment without connection. One more sports example. I'm working with Billy Donovan. He's the coach of the Florida Gators at the time before Oklahoma City Thunder. And he was really struggling with his team. And I shared these C's with him. Well, he really zeroed in on you know, connecting. And he said, you're right, John, that's it. He said, we get to the Elite Eight, but we can't seem to push through to the Final Four because we're not connected because we don't have that bond. We're not fighting for each other. So that year, I saw him invest in his players like no other. I never saw a coach invest more in their players than he did. They developed relationships as a team. They became a family. They even did some therapy together, which Billy has shared, and they bonded so much that they beat Kentucky three times that year. Not one guy was drafted in the NBA, and yet they beat Kentucky three times, and they made it to the Final Four that year. That taught me a great lesson. Team beats talent when talent isn't a team. So it's the communication, it's that connection that leads to commitment. We strengthen commitment through our service and sacrifice, serving others, sacrificing for them, showing that we're committed to them, and then that care that brings it all together, because you're not going to commit if you don't care. You're not going to connect if you don't care. You can't do it to check a box or because the book says so, right, or the keynote says so. You have to do it because you know and because you know it matters and you know that you care. And when you care, you care about your team, they perform better, and you perform better as a leader. One of the things you write about um, is talking about grit, like leaders have to have grit. Do you have any examples of that? Maybe how someone as a coach can uh, instill that in their players? One of the greatest things you can do as, as a coach to talk about grit is let them know they already have it. Like you're born with grit. It's not something you actually develop. Look at that baby learning to walk. That baby falls down, keeps getting back up. That baby that's learning to walk, that toddler actually has a lot of grit. The toddler already has a growth mindset. People say we've got to develop a growth mindset. No, we have to remember we've always had a growth mindset. We have to remember the growth mindset that is innate and within us and then bring that growth mindset out. So what the coach can do is to remind that player, that person, what the leader can do is to remind their company is that we don't create the world outside in. We create it inside out. The power is on the inside. I'm with an NBA team. I'm walking across the court. There's a head coach there and a superstar basketball player. And as I'm walking by, they said, John, we were just wondering, what makes a bigger impact on a team? Home field advantage in baseball or home court advantage in basketball, which has the bigger impact? So I thought for a moment, I said, well, what do you think? And the coach said, well, probably basketball, he said, because 
you're closer to the court. So the fans are louder. There's a lot more energy towards that. I said, actually, the answer is neither. When you know that there's no power on the outside, that the outside is just noise, it's just expectations, it's just media, it's just hype. We can look at social media, see the same thing. That's all just noise. We don't create a world outside in. We create it inside out. The power is on the inside through your spirit, your passion, your joy, your love, your purpose, your soul. And when you realize that you create from that inside out, that's how you create real masterpieces, that's where the power is. The player said, that's what I think. He said 98% of the guys in the league believe in home court advantage. So it affects them. I know it isn't true, he said. So I just go do what I do, and I play my game. And so that's how we create real success. Inside out, a team that looks inside instead of outside will have more grit. They don't look at the scoreboard. They don't look at the ranking. They just show up and with passion and purpose. They're here to create real success. And look at Apple, right? Created success inside out. Look at Ford when Alan Mullally took over in 2006, right? Losing $12 billion. Created success inside out. Look at Donna Orander when she became the commissioner of the WNBA, right? Inside out. There was no belief internally. The outside didn't believe. Inside didn't believe. She got the inside to believe, the organization to believe. She knew the coaches believed. She knew the players believed. And then she was able to transform the entire organization as a result of that. Now, I can't have you on the podcast without having at least one energy bus question. So how does, and just maybe one simple application from that, how does someone start changing their attitudes and their energy? Well, it starts with our perspective and our mindset, you know, how we see the world, you know. I'm dealing with this pollen that you would, you know, just like you can walk outside and you can just see, you could probably hear it in my voice. So people listening, I, I don't normally sound like this, right? I don't have He's this Barry, Barry White. White. That's yeah, right. Barry That's White. Right. It's like, I mean, I got the scratchy voice. Like, hey, John's got that voice. <laughs> I don't usually have this kind of voice. But, but so it's the mindset that says, you know, okay, I don't, I don't have this great voice today, but I'm going to give it the best that I can. It's looking at the challenge as an opportunity to learn, to grow, to improve, to not look outside and say, how's my voice sound? But no, just to share with passion, purpose, the information. It's about overcoming challenges and adversity by controlling what you can control. It's about feeding that positive dog, as we talk about in the book, every day, that every day you have a choice to feed the positive or the negative. And whichever one you feed, that's what grows. And it's to know that your positive energy must be greater than all the negativity. Your certainty and belief must be greater than all the doubt. And I think the energy bus resonates because so many organizations and people deal with negativity. And this says, hey, we're going to be more positive than the negativity. And we're not going to be Pollyanna positive. This is real positivity that allows us to address the energy vampires. We address the negativity so we can come together and be a more positive team and in that process have greater results and success. Last question here. Uh, let's say you have someone who's brand new. So if you're a, a youth coach, it's that seven, eight-year-old who's walking uh, onto the field or on the court for the first time, or maybe you are uh, have somebody who's just straight out of college, their first day at work. And so outside of like uh, skills like accounting in a business or throwing a ball in sports, what's the one mental skill you say, okay, I need you to learn how to do this in order to be successful? Wow, great question. It would be the advice that I learned from Dr. James Gills. He's the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons, which means you do an Ironman, 24 hours later you do another one. And the last time he did it, he was 59 years old. And he said, I've learned to talk to myself 
instead of listen to myself. That's how he did it. I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. If I listen to myself, I hear all the negative, all the fear, all the doubts, and all the complaints. But if I talk to myself, I can feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. So what I would tell people is show up every day. Do the work. Don't listen to yourself and the challenges. Talk to yourself each day with words of encouragement. Show up and love, serve, and care. From my book, The Carpenter, love, serve, and care. Find ways to love others. Find ways to serve others. Show you care, and you will stand out in any job, in any business, in any role. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. To learn more, go to beyondspeak.com because adding the ING was too expensive. For this episode of the Beyond Speaking Podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was Eric Woody. Your creative director and part-time leprechaun was Travis Franklin. Brian Lord, your host, executive producer, and specialist in speaking about himself in the third person. Additional thanks to special consultant and the pride of St. Paul, Lauren D. of Dean Associates. Thank you to the incredible voice talents of the muy profundo Robert Borges. Finally, thanks to the premier founder, Dwayne Ward, CEO Sean Hanks, and CIO Chris Yount, simply because you need to thank powerful people. If you've listened this far, you clearly have nothing better to do, so why not continue on and listen to the next Beyond Speaking podcast.